Hello and welcome to everybody on this new episode of Talking Sea podcast series. It is my pleasure to be introducing to you our new report, Digital Horizons. And here I have a very distinguished group of team members who I will be discussing some of the key learnings of the study. First, I would uh, like to start with you, Clive. Clive Greengrass is the head of our uh, tech, media and telecoms team globally. And if anything, anything starts with E or I as internet, probably Clive is, Clive is the right person to talk to in the UK and beyond. Uh, I have Olga Bayakova and Eva Talmachi with me. They are co-heading our regional efforts. And I have Dominic Carman, who, has, who is the author and editor of our report. My name is Dora Petrani. I'm CE Managing Director of CMNO and also a very, very enthusiastic member of this team. Many thanks for that, Dora. As part of the Digital Horizons report, a survey was undertaken in July and August. It canvassed the views of nearly 100 participants whose operations spanned 18 countries in the region. They are senior professionals in management, IT and legal and compliance across a broad range of sectors, aviation, consumer products, energy, financial services, hotels and leisure, life sciences and healthcare, manufacturing, private equity, real estate and TMT. All of them were asked about their digitalization activities, their priorities and their overall strategic digital agenda. AI, data analytics, ethics, IT investment plans, 5G, operational and legal risk, as well as regulation and compliance. So what key themes emerge from the research? First, although the digital trend started well before COVID-19 appeared, the dramatic global response to the pandemic has clearly acted as a further spur in the digital agenda of most businesses in the region. Second, most companies anticipate the need to commit greater resources to digital and are planning to increase their IT budgets next year to invest in digitalization. Third, the benefits of cost and efficiency are driving businesses to use AI solutions. But anxiety over legal liability is the single biggest concern relating to using AI in their operations. Fourth, public sector bureaucracy is seen as an impediment in many countries so governments in the region need to do more in order to ease the bureaucratic burden in digitalization, as well as facilitating the necessary digital infrastructure. And finally, ethics. Nearly every company surveyed considers ethics as part of their current guidelines and policies. Safeguarding data, considering the human cost and making decisions based on brand values are seen as key. And now I would like to ask Dora, how digitally prepared are CE businesses and has the pandemic accelerated their plans? Thank you, Dominic. If I look at the DASI index, uh, which is the Digital Economy and Society Index, our countries are unfortunately below the EU average in terms of readiness. Uh, the Czech Republic is the closest to the average and Bulgaria is unfortunately the last in the ranks. Therefore, the lockdown has been a great test for us, for all of us. Uh, in the regional operations. Although we have been banging the drums about digital transformation and about the need of digital transformation, the pandemic has certainly contributed to raising awareness, also making budget available 
and accelerating processes. Many jokes around uh, how the pandemic accelerated transformation uh, and the report finding also substantiating it. We think that there's been a dramatic response both globally and regionally to the pandemic in this respect. And let's see a couple of the statistics uh, that came uh, from the respondents. 38% of the respondents have completed or initiated new projects in this respect. 45% say that it served to accelerate their projects moving forward. But what is absolutely music to my ears is that 92% of the respondents said they believe that the pandemic will accelerate future digital change projects. In the corporate world, it is safe to say the answer to lockdown was quite varying. We still see people having to come to office factories every day as the readiness is not there yet. On the other hand, we've seen a couple of great examples like e-signatures, like what the financial services industry did and life sciences. And of course, telecoms. Uh, in CE, we have experienced a bigger gap between rural and more densely populated areas in relation to response to online education. Uh, although the DESI index shows that women are actually lagging behind men in terms of digital readiness. And unfortunately, again, all countries are lagging behind the EU average also in this respect. Some country responses, including sharing laptops, some expanding free or, or affordable broadband availability. This is an area where we need to focus also going forward and where we need to uh, maintain the momentum that the pandemic has caused. Thank you, Dora. If I could turn to Olga, please, can you tell us comparatively, is digitalization in CE more advanced than elsewhere? Thank you, Dominique. So, um, although, as Dora has just mentioned, our countries are currently below the EU average in terms of digital readiness, I think there is still something we need to be proud of. For instance, I was very pleasantly surprised uh, to see at the Deutsche Welle uh, Twitter page that Budapest currently tops uh, the global rankings of um, uh, average internet connection speed. And actually, Sofia is in top five in Europe. Um, 4G coverage is also excellent, and not only excellent, but also affordable for the majority of citizens. And I think that was um, one of the drivers for uh, developing huge digital projects, for instance, in banking uh, sector with OTP Bank, Erste Bank, and Unicredit, uh, making heavy investments in the region. So overall, I think that uh, CE digital outlook looks very positive. And, and it was driven uh, predominantly by um, uh, the massive shift to digital due to pandemic as everywhere uh, in the world. Um, at the same time, uh, the scale of the project in CE is not that big. So it's a little bit smaller than in big European countries like in Germany. And still, uh, there are some, uh, there are many organizations, I would say, uh, that uh, currently undergo the initial stages of their digital transformation journey. All in all, all in all, I think that um, CEE is on good track and with a lot of uh, new projects, both in active and development stages. And given the statistics which we gained from this report, 65% of companies plan to invest more money in digital projects. So I hope we will see soon even more in interesting digital agenda in the region. Thank you for that, Olga. Turning to Clive, if I may, could you please tell us about the key challenges for legal departments and what GCs should do in response? 
Yeah, thanks, Dominic. I mean, you've heard from Dora and Olga about you know sixty-five percent, despite the pandemic and economic challenges, sixty-five percent of businesses are increasing their investment in digital transformation, and that's very different from digitising. And it's also not a passing fad. So, what are GCs to do? And I think there's probably two things: think about your team, and think about your time. So from a team perspective, I think more and more of the legal function will really need to appreciate technology, either because the companies you'll be competing with will consider themselves to be tech players or because you'll be doing more and more tech deals or maybe even tech disputes. And so instead of recruiting a technology lawyer within your team, think of all your team members as needing to really understand technology. And that second point is time. GCs are going to need to distinguish between policy issues such as AI and the Data Act of 2021 that are around the corner, but are really time sinks. They're going to need to distinguish between engaging with governments and regulators and dealing with the really day-to-day issues of liability and of contracting and allocate their time according to what is a clear and present danger, as opposed to what you may not be able to influence in the short term. Thank you very much for that, Clive. And now, Eva, if you could please summarise the advance of digital infrastructure in CE, including the rollout of 5G, if possible. Thank you, Dominic. So the CE has a relatively high quality digital infrastructure in a comparative European context. Um, For example, more than 92% of the populated areas are covered by 4G, and the share of fibre optic broadband has also increased significantly over the years. So it's a very positive landscape, as Oya mentioned earlier on as well. And one of the reasons of this positive landscape is that the CE doesn't have the burden of aging infrastructure. If you take some of the Western European countries, for example, the UK, they have very well developed but all generation copper infrastructure that is very costly to replace with fiber. And being a new kid on the block, CE could roll out the most advanced technology as a large part of our region was pretty much blank canvas from a digital infrastructure perspective. Another important reason is the more affordable connectivity in CE. Um, In terms of 5G readiness, similarly to Western Europe, CE is on the right path to be able to deploy 5G on a wider scale. That being said, we still need to tackle a few hurdles to unlock the full potentials, as the European 5G standardization is uh, not yet complete. Um, The more network sharing is already happening across Europe, and um, that includes CE. For example, we have uh, network sharing arrangements in the Czech Republic, Poland, Romania, Hungary, just to mention a few. There are still some uncertainties from regulators at a national level, which needs to be addressed and dealt with in order to facilitate a wider deployment of 5G-enabled technologies. But as and when it happens, it will have a profound impact on existing industries and our life in a uh, general context. Thank you very much for that, Eva. Coming back to Clive, can I ask how are companies investing in data analytics and using that in order to maximize opportunities. The data is phenomenal. 62% are investing in data analytics, and there are some fabulous things the data can obviously deliver. And there are some laws we know about, like GDPR and other laws coming down the pipe, such as the one I've mentioned, the 
Data Act of 2021. But I think the areas that businesses will be looking to the legal function for answers on is ethics. And many lawyers in common law countries such as mine in the UK study the philosophy of law right back into law school. But in civil law countries, I know that's more rare. But frankly, in either tradition, most of our practices of lawyers have been ruled by the text of the statute, not by the words of the judges. But I believe we're going to have to dust off our textbooks on ethical principles and philosophy, because when the marketing team says it's going to be good to do something and the CIO says it's going to be exciting and the CFO says it's going to save money, someone's going to say, is it acceptable? Is it legal? And even if it's not legal, should we do it? And that question, I believe, is going to be directed to the GC. That's going to be the person who's going to have the most authority to ask whether the company really should be doing something with our data analytics. Thank you, Clive. So the buck is going to stop with the GCs. Um, and now, Olga, if you could please explain beyond legislation and regulation, what role does and what role should ethics play in corporate strategy? Well, I fully agree with uh, what Clive has just mentioned, that uh, general counsels um, will have increased role in terms of uh, disposing the data, actually, in the companies. And um, actually, uh, the, the, the vast majority of our respondents, almost 100%, responded that they uh, concern ethics as a part of their policies. And that's why I think that the general counsel or chief privacy officers, uh, they should expect uh, that uh, uh, ethics will become an important part of their day-to-day -day life. What is also important in my view is that uh, it is very, very uh, crucial to, to keep the right balance uh, in companies' behavior between complying with law and being ethical. This is not always the same thing. That's why um, the companies, I think, should revise their ethic guidelines uh, just to address uh, the current digital challenges and including realizing the consequences uh, with using certain data by technology. So I would say that uh, currently um, ethics is not just a tick box exercise, but this is a very important, conscious, uh, value-driven process, which actually includes a lot of thinking. Thank you very much for that, Olga. And coming back to Dora, what are the key regulatory and legal concerns when using AI solutions? Can I just step back one step, uh, Dominic? Why are regulatory questions even important? Is AI already here? Uh, I was very surprised to see that 60% of, of the respondents are already using AI, and another 35% are actually actively considering to be implementing AI solutions in the near future. So to me, that answers the question, why is AI regulation important? Because it's not the future, it's the present. Uh, and it is, again, a situation where EU regulators and also our regulators in the region are lagging a tad behind. Uh, that's not uncommon for innovative technologies that we are a little bit, uh, a couple of steps ahead of regulation. And we would absolutely need to do what we always do, is to try and implement the existing regulations as much as possible on new technologies. But on the other hand, we can't simply omit the fact that 86% of the respondents expressed concerns about the lack of regulation on AI and liability. If the, This seems to be a huge hurdle. 
And it's although it's very comforting to see that the EU white paper is aiming on a, exactly on a race-based approach, that means that it should come sooner rather than later. It might lead to uh, European innovators lagging behind uh, compared to their uh, competitors elsewhere. Uh, what I would also like to highlight is that not only liability questions, but also the use of data, the access to data, as well as the ethical questions, which were already mentioned by Clive and, and Olga, are absolutely key and in the forefront. And that is what an AI regulatory framework is distinctively different uh, from any other earlier technologies, that ethical questions are absolutely in the forefront. Um, in our part of the world, we were trained to be following laws and we were trained uh, to abide by regulations all the time. So the GCs usually take two approaches. One is that I only allow to companies what is written in the law, in the black letter of the law. And some GCs say that, well, we can't function like that. What is not prohibited, we can move ahead. We need to find the right balance uh, when we advise our clients. And also GCs need to find the right balance between the two approaches here. And especially when you consider AI, uh, we need to find the right balance and the common sense should be guiding us as well. Thank you very much for that, Dora. And finally, Eva. How can digitalization and sustainability strategies be harmonized? The answer to this question is pretty much the holy grail of our fast-moving and digitalization-driven 21st century. Um, digital innovations have clearly become an integral part of our daily life. Uh, most aspects of our daily activities, from e-commerce to e-health, intelligent traffic control systems, energy production and transmission, smart appliances, insurance, finance, they all apply digital technology one way or another. And a lot of hopes and expectations go along with this development, and not only in a monetary context, for example, uh, productivity, increased profitability and efficiency, but also from a more holistic perspective as well. Connected cars could save lives from road accidents, EHAS could improve medical services for people, um, smart technologies could cut carbon emissions. It's a long, long list and the list can go on. So the real question is how we can find the synergy between digitalization and sustainability. And it is a very complex dilemma with many, many layers and angles. Um, but one possible avenue could be if we place digitalization at the service of sustainability. Because digitalization is not a force of nature, but a people-driven development, which, given its potentials and risks, must be shaped for sustainability. So the transformation towards sustainability is a comprehensive project, which is dependent on the political, the right political, business and legal frameworks. And all of these legal frameworks must address the three fundamental uh, angles or layers of sustainability, economic, but the social and environmental um, sustainability as well. Eva, many thanks for that. Finally, I'd like to ask each of you for one takeaway for the audience today or something that you found particularly interesting from the research. Um, first of all, may I come back to you, Eva? So thank you, Dominic. Um, 
So I was delighted to hear that 88% um, of the respondents um, were confident that um, the EU and the regional and local digital infrastructure strategies will meet their business strategies within a three to five years um, time frame. And that clearly demonstrates that uh, the, uh, the region is optimistic, that the right strategies are in place. Um, and it is also underpinned, in my view, by some of the findings um, in the EU's digital and economy index, um, according to which Poland, Hungary, um, Romania secured well above the EU average in connectivity um, and a number of other countries are catching up as well. And I think um, some of uh, my colleagues already mentioned this earlier. So while the region's digital infrastructure is, is um, finally completed, it will hopefully cement CE as a highly attractive place to invest in. Thank you very much for that, Eva. And if I can turn to Clive, um, what would you point to? There's quite there's quite a lot to, to to read in. I think the thing that jumps out to me, Dominic, is this statistic that 60 odd percent uh, of those people we surveyed would like more guidance or regulation on AI. And interestingly, if I remember rightly, this, the Commission's research is about 42 percent want the introduction of a new regulatory framework. Um, I think leaving aside the fact I'm pleased the Commission's honesty is that uh, their push for new legislation is not really backed up by their research. I almost want to say to those 60% who said they want more guidance and regulation, please be careful what you wish for. Um, it's my strong belief that AI regulation and non-personal data regulation is frankly as much about the EU trying to assert political dominance over this area against the US and China as actually it is about protecting citizens and providing clear rules for business. And I'm I'm afraid I fear that the, the crushing sounds of these political tectonic plates hitting each other is, I'm afraid, going to drown out the concerns, the real true concerns of CEE and EU businesses trying to assert what they believe is important for their business. Thank you very much for that, Clive. Um, and your thoughts, Olga? Thank you, Dominique. Uh, for me, the most important and the most uh, pleasant uh, takeaway from, from all this exercise uh, was the observation that the majority of respondents and the companies we interviewed uh, see the dig digitalization as a priority for their companies and they are ready to invest more money in uh, on digital projects, which, which is great. So I think that in our region in CE, we have constant development of digital infrastructure. We have uh, great uh, talents, great people, and uh, we have huge plans of investment. So with all of that, I'm sure that digitalization will become a great future for the whole region. Thank you very much indeed, Olga. And finally, Dora. Thank you, Dominic. Um, to me, uh, the biggest and probably the most confirming factor was that 98% of the respondents uh, consider ethics as part of the guidance and regulation by now. And that is something which is quite historic and quite quite new if you talk, about, talk or think about regulation. Uh, many countries in the region have already adopted uh, their AR strategies this year. And in all of the strategies, ethical guidance uh, and the preparations for more ethical guidelines 
is mentioned, which is uh, as a pro as a top priority actually. Clive, you talked about um, uh, EU versus China or versus US and the competitivity. Um, as many of our locations um, have very strong IT, IT professionals and IT professional capabilities, and actually we, we are competing on claiming who is the Silicon Valley of the region or of the East. Um, it will be very key for our IT professionals as well as our countries to uh, be seeing this through and to see how regulation can boost these opportunities for the region. I think it's safe to say uh, that we're living historic times and probably there's going to be lots and lots of discussions on what happened in 2020 and beyond. Um, the pandemic has certainly accelerated the digital transformation and has provided a perfect opportunity uh, for what is already necessary in terms of accelerating transformation for regional companies and beyond and putting more emphasis on digital skills and readiness. Dora, thank you very much for that. And thanks to all of you for your incisive comments today. And finally, many thanks to all of you for watching and listening.